We share that with you tonight, not just because Pastor David is awesome, but because we're praying for change in our nation, because we're going to keep being a church that shares the gospel because that's the only thing that can change people's hearts. But we also share it because there's just work that needs to be done, and you and I have to do it. So it's going to be groups like the Catalyst Effect. Cortez, Claudia, raise your hands. Come on. If you're here tonight and you live in the 757 and you want to make a difference and you don't know how, then you find them at the end of the service and they'll put you to work. They'll put you to work. Come on. Well, if you're here tonight because you were expecting the final message on Break the Yoke, which was part two on understanding tithing, I think that that message is not going to make it, which you know is a holy act of God when a pastor sets aside a message on giving. That's going to sink in later and you're going to really think that's funny. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 17. Verse 11, it says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village, there ten lepers stood at a distance. They stood at a distance because they weren't allowed to have any contact with people who weren't lepers. And if ever they stepped out of their colony and went into a public place, they had to shout, unclean, 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 as they went along so no one would accidentally interact with them with their faces covered. Have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. Listen to what it says. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Now that phrase meant something to them, especially the Jewish lepers who were in that group, because if you were to take the time to look into the book of Leviticus and find the detailed instruction in the Mosaic law for what you're supposed to do if you're healed of leprosy, the first thing that you're supposed to do is to go show yourself to the priest. And then there's an entire ritual. It's like a chapter long of all the things that they would have to do. It's broken up into two separate phases. It's incredibly intricate. You should read it. But you do not go and show yourself to the priest until after you've been healed. So the faith that it took for them to turn as they still had leprosy to go to the priest was an incredible act of faith. They didn't say, you haven't healed us yet. Aren't you going to come over here and touch us like you do for others? Maybe you're going to spit in some mud, whatever that was about, and rub it on us. You're going to do something he, he didn't even have to touch him. He just spoke. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And this man was a Samaritan, which means that he was not Jewish, which means that if you came into contact with him as a Jewish person, you would be unclean. Jesus asked, didn't I heal the ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, your faith has healed you. 
I felt earlier this week that God really stirred my heart to begin looking at that story, and I saw some things that I've not seen before. And one of the things that struck me was that in order for the Mosaic Law to have so much time and attention and detail to be given to a process for what a person is supposed to do when they're healed from leprosy, it's because they had an expectation that it was going to happen. If there's that much time and attention that's given in the Mosaic Law for what a person is supposed to do, a process that's so spelled out, it's because there was an expectation that people would be healed from this disease. Not just some one-off, right? Not, not just by some rare occurrence that a person was healed in ancient times would inspire the Holy Spirit to give Moses, which in turn would be embraced by a culture, an entire ritual. They embraced that because it was part of their life. There was an expectation that God healed people, especially this disease that took people's lives, so many people that they loved. There was a process because there was an expectation. And there was an expectation because there were miracles. And there were miracles because there was a practice. And that practice was called prayer. And one of the things that Jesus did through his three years of ministry before he gave his life for the sins of the world was to reintroduce an entire nation of people to a practice of prayer that they had lost. They still had the rituals, but they had lost their expectation. Just in case you might think that the ten were an exception, Luke chapter 5. In one of the villages, Jesus has met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. And when the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and he touched him. When's the last time that you think someone who did not have leprosy touched this man? It could have been decades. Touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy, it disappeared. And then Jesus instructed him to not tell anyone what had happened. And he said, go to the priest and let him examine you and take along the offering required in the law of Moses. Listen to what it says. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. So as I've been reading that story this week and studying, this is the question I felt like God asked me. Do we not see miracles today because we don't practice the ministry of prayer like we're supposed to? And do we not practice the ministry of prayer like we're supposed to Because we ourselves have lost our expectation. And if we lose our expectation 
And it causes us to stop entering into the ministry of prayer. Does it cause a diminishing of the miracles that God wants to see in the world? And those miracles aren't just for the people who are healed. Those miracles are to continue and perpetuate generation after generation expectation that God is still in the business of doing supernatural things. So how long have you been going to church? without an expectation that God can do incredible things? How many church services have you set through in your life where no one gave you an opportunity to come forward for prayer, to believe for something impossible? So what we're going to do with the rest of our time together tonight, we're going to practice the ministry of prayer as a church family. And our worship team's going to come back they're going to walk us through a worship set for these last 25 minutes or so. The volume of music is going to be down just a little bit. So those of us who are going to be down here to pray for you can hear. And this is my challenge to you. If you have never had the experience of someone standing with you in a moment of prayer, then you experience it tonight. And let an expectation be birthed in your heart again, not just for you, but for the people that you're going to come in contact with this week. When they're asking you about what you did this weekend, you can say, I went forward and someone prayed for me. Because do you know that we still have a process? It's not the process that you find in Leviticus, but it is still the process of go and show yourself. Because what we're supposed to do in the world today is to go show ourselves to an unbelieving world with a story of the work of God in our lives. So for those of you who are thinking, I'm not sure I want to walk down there. I'm not sure I want to make myself vulnerable like that. I don't know if I want to tell a stranger this thing in my life that I struggle with. Oh, I hear you, but it's not just for you. It's for the people that God is going to put you in contact with in the weeks and the months to come so that your process of telling and going to show yourself can give them the expectation and the faith that they need to step into their moment of prayer that's coming for them in their tomorrows. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And I'm going to invite you to enter in with me this moment of believing and can I just say to you as well, as those who are going to be praying tonight, there are going to be two people in the back that if you're sitting towards the back that are easier to get to, if you're in the balcony and you want someone to pray for you, then you come. And let me just say this as well, which I know our teams are going to feel a little bit vulnerable. But if you're on the projector tonight and you want prayer, it's okay if the slides don't change for a little while. Yeah. If you're on the lights and the transition doesn't happen like it was supposed to, it's okay. If you're a musician and you want prayer, it's okay if the music's not played exactly right. Yeah. If you're up here and you're praying for people and you need prayer, then you step over to the person next for you. Let it be that tonight that we would leave here and we would say, I had a need and I believed and someone stood with me in a moment of prayer. It might be that you're here tonight and it's not your need, but it's someone that you know. Then you come stand in their place. 
You might have a child across the country or across the world. You might have a friend who's in a desperate place. Can we just agree together that God can touch them where they are? So you come and stand in their place. Expect and believe together. Father, forgive us for living a life without expectation. Forgive us as a church for not being intentional enough of practicing the ministry of prayer so that the process of go show yourself can flow from this congregation into this world. In Jesus' name, as we worship, you come.